there was a movie came out, uh, I don't know, maybe it's been almost 10 years ago now, uh, uh, called Napoleon Dynamite. Who's familiar with Napoleon Dynamite? Okay, good. Even the... Even the, even the one, okay, good, good, good. I'm glad even the young ones know what I'm talking about. So Napoleon Dynamite, I mean, it was like this indie film. I don't know, was it in, an independent film? Was it, was it an independent? Brad said yes. It was, it was, and then, like, it got picked up by, uh, like, after a month. It got, right, it got started as, a, as an independent, as an indie. And so it became a cult hit, like, like, Everybody ended up seeing this, this movie. Everybody identified with this movie and with Napoleon Dynamite. Why on earth did everybody identify with Napoleon Dynamite? It's freaking awesome. It's freaking awesome. Lager! <laughs> I didn't say quote the movie. I said, why did we identify? <laughs> <laughs> maybe so maybe so maybe so i am convinced i am convinced in order to take this back and put this back in my control and we'll get to that in a minute but uh i am convinced that uh everybody identified everybody identified with napoleon dynamite because there is a little bit of Napoleon Dynamite in every single one of us. That inside of us is Napoleon Dynamite. It doesn't matter how popular you are or how popular you were or how out of it, unpopular you were, if you were an in-crowd, athlete crowd, not, uh, whatever. I think there's a little bit of Napoleon Dynamite hid inside of each and every one of us where we feel just a little bit lonely, a little bit out on the fringes, a little bit down and out uh, somewhere, some way. And guess what? I've got great news. It doesn't change. When, when I am not leading, when I am not in control, like yesterday, I was in the middle school subbing, and, and I saw Ethan and, and uh, Hannah Lee. I had Hannah Lee in, in class, uh, Nathan's little sister. And, 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 and I, I, to sub in the high school is so much easier than the middle school. Not necessarily the kids, but that too. Um, but just logistically, the high school knows, they hand you a key, like this is the key, and it's, this is what, it's an old building, the middle school, you know, it was the high school, and so they've got keys thrown everywhere, and they give you a key that doesn't work, and then you go to the teacher's lounge and the teacher's bathrooms, which are locked, and they don't give you a key to that as a sub, and you're like, they don't want you to use the kids' bathrooms. I mean, legal reasons, you know. And so I'm like, what do you want me to do? You know, and that now I have to ask questions. And I feel like I'm bothering people when I'm asking questions. And I'm not leading and I'm not in control. And I feel a little bit out and I don't know what to do. And I don't know, I don't know who to ask or if they'll think like you're crazy and then you know I've talked about how I don't you know ask questions when I'm at the high school because you know they'd be like you're sub you know and and you know feel a little bit down and out there or, or if I'm in a situation where where I'm I'm following I just kind of feel like a little kid not like exuberant little kid like yeah like little kid is in seen and not heard little kid and everybody is left feeling down and out at times. 
Everybody has something that triggers that. Whatever it is for you is probably different than what it is for me, but everybody has that where you're left feeling down and out. And we're going to be taking a look at a story of a lady who's down and out, who's completely down and out. We're going to be in John chapter 4. And some of you, if you've been in church, around church at all, you've heard this story, and you probably can come up and tell all the background of the story and everything. But maybe you, you're not familiar with this story. In John chapter 4, and this lady that Jesus encountered, and this revive, is, we're kind of pushing pause on our, on our normal series, and revive is, is going to be a series within a series, a series within itself. And we're looking at, uh, in revive, the people that Jesus encountered. And how we, for those of us that are Christians, that Jesus expects us to encounter the people he encountered. And Jesus encountered the down and out. And John chapter 4 tells us about this story where he encountered the down and out. Jesus had, had, had been in Jerusalem in John chapter 3 and he was baptizing people and actually his disciples were baptizing people and, and actually it started to be kind of this rumor and kind of this um, deal that ended up spreading throughout Jerusalem. People were like, hey, guess what? Jesus is baptizing more people than John the Baptist. Like those of you that have been around, you know, like know that that is said in churches, you know, hey, guess what? So-and-so church baptized more than the other church. Things don't change, right? 2,000 years and things don't change. Like, and people are starting to go, Jesus is baptizing more than John the Baptist. And in order to, Jesus is like, out. I'm not going to get a part of this, be a part of this. So he leaves Jerusalem, and he goes north out of Jerusalem. But north out of Jerusalem is Samaria. And the big deal about Samaria is that these are considered the half-breeds. Jews would, would, would marry with Gentiles, which was strictly forbidden in the Old Testament and God's law that they could not do. And, and, and so they were kind of relegated to this area called Samaria. And Jews, if they were traveling north to an area called Galilee, which is all the way up here, and Jerusalem is down here, Samaria is in the middle, they would travel around Samaria to get to, to, to Galilee, even though Straight line from point A to point B is the quickest. It would be a lot like us saying, I don't like Arkansas. So I'm going to travel down I-44 to get to Oklahoma and travel south through Oklahoma and then cut back through Louisiana just to avoid Arkansas. And maybe some of you are like, that's not a bad idea. I don't know. <laughs> right, Jerry? <laughs> She's not married, Jared. Um, <laughs> I'm going to get as much mileage out of that as I can. Uh, and, and, and they did not, they did not travel as Jews traveled through Samaria. But the Bible says that Jesus had to go through Samaria, and he didn't really have to go through Samaria. And so he and his boys are, are traveling through Samaria, and, and, and it's about noon. And in the Mediterranean rim, it is hot, 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 hot at noon. We're talking 100 110 degrees, blazing sun, dry, uh, arid climate. <clears throat> so they get to this well, and Jesus sits down and goes, Hey, boys, go into the town, take your donkeys, 
drive through some Taco Bell, get us some Taco Bell, bring me back a chalupa uh, uh, meal, and uh, bring it back. I'm going to stay here. And Jesus sits down. But imagine this. I mean, Jesus, Jesus, 30 years before this, 30 years before this, he was sitting on his throne. He created all the universe. He didn't ever need to take a break. He didn't ever need to, need to eat. He didn't ever get tired or exhausted. Imagine how frustrated he was just getting tired, sitting down going, ah, man, ah. I mean, come on, fellas. We still think we're 19, right? Think how frustrated you get when you're like, ah, ah. I used to be able to do this. Why can't I do this anymore? You know, times that by infinity, and that's what Jesus is here. And he's sitting down. It's hot. He's tired. He's sweaty. He's stinky because they didn't take baths all the time. And, and, and he sends the boys on into town to get something to eat. He's hungry. He's thirsty. And he sits down. And then comes this lady lady she shows up this lady's down and out how do you know that first of all she's all alone see these are tribal communal people they don't do anything alone i mean i mean i mean fellas we know this right you the women don't go to bathroom by themselves right i mean this is a tribal community the ladies went to go get their water all together. But she wasn't just alone. She was there at a time that nobody went to get water. You didn't get water at noon. First of all, first of all, the, the well water would be warmer. I mean, even though it'd be cool, it'd be down in the ground, it'd be warmer because it'd be during the day, and also carrying it back, it'd get warmer. <laughs> very quickly and you went to get water in the morning it was cooler it was easier to do you went to get water with everybody else in the morning or in the evening but for whatever reason whether real or perceived this lady was alone and she didn't want to deal with anybody she didn't want to talk to anybody she didn't want to have to face anybody Maybe it was something perceived, like there is something in her background, we'll get to that, something in her background, she thought that people would just be like, oh man. I mean, the Samaritans were already outcasts, I mean, she was the outcast of the outcasts, or at least she at least thought she was, but maybe there was a mean girl of the bunch. That drove her out because of the stuff that she had in her past. This lady was down and out. She showed up at this well, not wanting to deal with anybody, not wanting to encounter anybody, not wanting to talk to anybody. I mean, we've all been in those positions where we, we, we wanted to get something done without, without encountering anybody. I mean, we've been at Walmart, we've been at the restaurant, and our belly started to gurgle. We're like, oh no! And as you're shuffling to the bathroom... There's two things you're hoping. One, an open stall. But two, really what you want? It's an empty bathroom. You don't want to encounter anybody. You don't want that embarrassment. 
This isn't really what the woman was dealing with, but, but she had still something that she didn't want people, where she wanted to encounter people. She didn't want to talk to people. She didn't want to face people. Her past was way too embarrassing. You'll never read the story again in the same way. Her past was too embarrassing. There'd be too many questions to answer. And as she turned the bin around to this well, she sees a person sitting there. Oh, no. Do I go back? I can't go back. I don't have any water. I've got to get water. Well, maybe this person will just leave me alone, or maybe this person doesn't want to deal with anybody either, and they'll just go away. And she gets closer, and they're like, oh, it's a, it's a guy. I don't the last thing I want is another guy. I mean, I've had a history with guys. I don't, know. I don't need to deal with another guy. Then she gets closer, and it's a, it's a Jewish guy. Like, what is this guy doing here? He goes, they're supposed to travel all the way around us in order not to encounter any of us. And here I am. I don't want to deal with anybody. I don't want to talk to anybody. I don't want to encounter anybody. My past is too embarrassing. My deal is too real. And here's a Jewish guy sitting here at the well where I just want to get some water. Maybe he'll just leave me alone. This lady was down and out. She had too much of a past. She was too lonely. She was too much of an outcast. She didn't want anybody to see it. We've probably all felt that at some point in time or another, or maybe we feel that right now. How do we overcome that? How do we get past it? Where do we go from there? And Jesus, when this lady showed up and she came to the well, verse says, 7, it says, Jesus said to her, please give me a drink. I'm like, well, Jesus is just asking for a drink. I mean, he's thirsty. First of all, I mean, He'd been sitting at that well, I don't know how long, but he'd been sitting at that well for a while. I mean, couldn't Jesus have pulled up the bucket and gotten a drink? I mean, he too was the son of God. I mean, he could have figured out a way to get a drink. When I soon realize that this story is more than water. The story is more than thirst of the mouth. This lady was thirsty, but she, it wasn't the thirst of the mouth that Jesus was going after. Is the thirst of the heart. Please give me a drink. As I read that, and as I thought through this, uh, this story and through life, and through this lady's life, and what we'll soon find out about this lady's life, if you don't already know, that she had let all kinds of people drink from her cup. She was dry. She was empty. 
She would let people drink from her cup, in particular, guys. Take her cup, drink from it. She was thirsty because people drink from her cup. And I believe this question is really dealing with that. Can you give me a drink? Can I give somebody else a drink? I think as we see the story unfold, I think what Jesus is really saying and getting at is, stop letting people drink from your cup. Now, I don't know if I like the word letting there, because sometimes people just take our cup and drink it, right? But I think you probably get the idea. We feel down and out because people drink from our cup. And it leaves us empty. And leaves us wanting more. When I was studying for this and reading over this, it reminded me of a book that I read called Hurt. And um, the guy that wrote it, last name Clark, uh, he's a youth minister and, and actually uh, a doctor, and he, he studies trends in youth ministry and speaks to thousands upon thousands of youth. And the whole point behind this book is the title of the book, Hurt. Students are hurt. Despite all the activity that we send them to, despite all the people that are there around, despite all the go, 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 and the things that they do, they still feel abandoned and hurt. And a lot of times they're left abandoned and hurt because of us, adults. Because either, you know, coaches or parents maybe get their image from their kids and they drive them and you got to be like this. Or even worse, reality is, is that people abuse, right? And drink and forcefully take drinks from our cup. And when I say stop letting, I, I don't necessarily mean you're at fault. I don't mean that. I mean realize that what is happening here, the people are taking drinks from your cup, leaving you dry and empty. And part of the reason why for tomorrow morning that just kind of decided to, when the service project didn't work out, just to kind of chill, even in homes, was because we go and we take and we do all this activity, but a lot of times it has nothing to do with relationships. We're just doing, 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 doing. Maybe we needed just a time to pause and say, I'm just going to be with each other. But we also know that other people drinking from our cup isn't the only way our cup gets dry. John four fifteen. 
We're going to skip some verses and we're going to come back to it. But basically, Jesus tells her something in order for her to give this response. Please, sir, the woman said, give me this water. He offered her some water. It sounded better than the water that she had. And we'll get back to that. Then I'll never be thirsty again. I won't have to come here to get water. Go and get your husband, Jesus said to her. At this point in time, she probably, that's why I didn't want to encounter anybody. You had to go there. And the next thought was like, how did you know to go there? I don't know you. She probably put her eyes and put her head down and maybe her shoulders slumped. I don't have a husband, the woman replied. She'd been pretty chatty up to this point. And then, boom, I don't, I don't have a husband. She said, you're right. You don't have a husband. You've had, had five husbands. You're not even married to the man you're living with right now. You certainly spoke the truth. Here's what Jesus is saying. He's saying, not only are these guys drinking from your cup, but you've had now six guys that you've been with. And you know what's leaving you dry? Is that you're trying to fill up your cup. You're trying to fill up your cup. And us filling up our cup, imagine if I had some sand here. And you're wanting a nice, refreshing glass of water, cold water, but, but I put sand in the cup and then offered it to you. And you're like, what good is this? Trying to fill up our own cup is like trying to put sand in a cup and drink it. It still leaves us dry. And Jesus is telling this woman, stop Filling up your cup. Because what do we do? What do we do when we feel down and out? What do we do when we feel abandoned? What do we do when, when somebody takes our cup and drink it? For some reason, our natural tendency is to actually go back and offer ourselves up in the same way that left us dry in the first place, right? Every one of us. I'm not, I'm not reading your mail I can say this because it's my mail. Every one of us is the same way. Why do I keep going back to that bum? This is why. Why do I keep going back to her? This is why. Why do I keep going back to that magazine or the computer site? This is why. Why do I keep going back to lying and stealing and cheating? It leaves me... This is why the morning after leaves us completely dry. But we keep going back because we want to be filled with something and we just don't know what else to fill ourselves with. And something about our fallen state just keeps going back to the same treadmill. that hurt us in the first place.
Teens, this is why we keep going back. To the same exact thing over and over and over again, despite how many times we say, I'm not going back. Before we moved to Syracuse, New York area to, to, to try and plant a church, a couple of people that had grown up in Baldwinsville, this, the, the city that we were going to plant in, the suburb that we were going to plant in, uh, told us, hey, um, I saw your blog, so awesome that you're planting a church that's so needed. Um, uh, uh, the, the, it's so depressing. So depressing. The teens feel completely lost. They have nowhere to go. They have nothing to do. They have nowhere to turn. They feel hurt. They feel abandoned. And when we showed up, uh, sure enough, I mean, it was suburbia. You had, you had that type of crowd, and that type of teenager, but, but there was plenty of hurt. There's plenty of abandonment. There's plenty of drug use and, and abuse and, and delinquency and, and, and all of this. Here I am. Here we are. Parachute church planters from the south. Southern Baptist pastor. I mean, the worst possible stereotype we could be walking into this scenario. And we were told that by the locals. Like, Southern Baptist from the south? Oh my stars, I've got stereotypes for you. These were, pe- there's, these were people that are becoming and are our friends. But as much of that was a difficulty with the adults, I mean, imagine trying to step foot into the teenage culture. I mean, they didn't know me. There's a park down the road. This is one of Phil's favorite stories. There's a park down the road. Like, how am I going to break into this? How am I going to get into this? I grabbed a bag of Snickers, little individually wrapped Snickers. Went down to the park. Like, you want some candy, kid? Like, seriously. Like, I know it's a bad idea, but... I didn't know what else to do. They're, they're doing drugs. They didn't know any better. Like, they're crazy, you know? You didn't have a van, did you? No, I didn't have a van. Down by the, it was down by the river, though. Seriously. <laughs> Literally, it was down by the river. Um, There's a park on the river. No van. They did. But I did start building some trust, believe it or not. Like, some trust and had great conversations with them. Why is that? They're empty. They were used to people taking from their cup and they were just dumping sandful after sandful after sandful after sandful after sandful into their cup. And then here's somebody, I don't, I don't know who he is and what this Snickers thing is all about, but he's listening to us. Every single study, whether formal or informal, every single study for, for students, says all they want is an adult to listen to them. That's it. We're around adults all day long. All we want is somebody to listen to them. Not be our teacher. Not be our coach. Not be our parent. Not be our worker, our pastor. Just somebody to listen to them. Fill my cup by listening to me.
But as much as people taking drinks for our cup, and as much as filling up our own cup, as putting sand in our cup, there's one more thing that, 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 that will leave us dry. Maybe for some of you this will be a surprise once I say it. Religion leaves us dry. When Jesus told her about the husband thing, or told her to bring her husband, she wanted to change the subject real fast after that. I mean, first of all, I don't know how you know this. That's too weird. It's weirder than Snickers, you know, showing up. Yeah. <laughs> At least I didn't show up and go. You and you, like you look like you're together, but last night she wasn't the one you were with, and that would have been awkward, right? And like, take, give me another Snickers. I don't, even, I don't want any part of that. And that's what Jesus did. I don't know you, but I know who you're with. She said in verse 19, Sir, the woman said, you must be a prophet. So tell me, why is it that you Jews insist that Jerusalem is the only place of worship while we Samaritans claim it is here at Mount uh, Gezerim, where our ancestors worshipped? There's nothing that hides a dry heart quite like a worship war. That's what she did. She's like, you say you should worship here. We say we should worship here. Who's right? And giving her the benefit of the doubt, what she is doing is she is saying, I'd love to get it taken care of. I'd love it. Tell me where to go. Which one is real? Which one's the place? But you know what? Religion is not going to leave us filled. Imagine another pile of sand here. Using religion to fill us is like taking another pile of sand and just pouring it in our cup because it leaves us dry. It leaves us dry. Going to church will not solve your thirst issues. It won't. It might put a gloss over it. It might f- make us feel full for a while, just like sand would. It's not going to solve our thirst issues. It's not. And we'll look more into that at, a, at, a, at another time. But you know what? Or this weekend at another time. But you know what? The generation older than myself, they would keep going to church just because that was the thing you did. They would. Even though it felt like pouring sand in my heart. That's what we did. So the generation below me, like, I can pour sand in in me some other way that's way more fun than church. Out. No thanks. No thanks. So what do we do? Tell me a bunch of stuff to stop. What do we do? I'm going to go back. See what Jesus told this woman. John 4.10 When he told her, give me a drink. Um, 
she said uh, she was confused and he he told her uh, ultimately he told her you know what if you knew who you were talking to you would ask me for some water and she was like and who are you where's this well that you're going to get this from you're be- better than than our ancestor Jacob and then Jesus is like funny you should say that John 4.10, Jesus replied, if you only knew the gift God has for you and who you are speaking to, you would ask me and I would give you living water. But sir, you don't have a rope or a bucket, she said, and this well is very deep. Where would you get this living water? And besides, do you think you're greater than our ancestor Jacob who gave us this well? How can you offer better water than he and his sons and his animals enjoyed? Jesus replied, anyone who drinks this water will soon become thirsty again. But those who drink the water I give will never be thirsty again. It becomes a fresh bubbling spring within them, giving them eternal life. Jesus is saying, look, take your cup, your dry cup, your cup full of sand, and guess what I'm going to do? You come to me, and I'm going to fill your cup up with living water. Don't dump out your cup. Don't clean up your cup. Not going to work. You're going to just keep dirtying it up. Stop. Just let me fill your cup. That's it. I've been intrigued for a while by this story. And comparing it to how we now handle non-Christians as Christians. And comparing Jesus' response to this non-Christian, this non-believer, to our response to a non-believer who would have seven husbands and she's living with somebody that's not her husband. You know what's interesting? When she said, I had no husband, and he said, you're right, and he goes into her history... You know what Jesus didn't do and Jesus didn't say? He didn't shame her. He didn't give her a guilt trip. He didn't even tell her to move out. I've been intrigued by this story because of Jesus' response. All he told her was, let me fill you up. Let me fill you up. Let me take your cup. You're used to guys drinking from your cup. Let me take your cup and I will fill your cup. I'm not going to take from it. I'm not going to put sand in it. I'm going to take it just as it is and I'm going to fill it and, and I meant to have a cookie sheet down here so I could fill it to overflowing. But I'm not going to do that tonight. I'm going to fill it to overflowing so that you know what happens if I, fill, if I had sand in here and I filled this to overflowing and I kept pouring and I kept pouring and I kept pouring, what would happen? The sand would come out, right? And this dirty cup would start being cleansed wouldn't it a cleansed cup is completely different than a dirty dry 
dusty cup, isn't it? See, what makes us different, what makes us able to get people's attention is that we have a living water that will actually fill people up. For those of you that say, I am a sand-filled cup tonight, here is what I tell you, simply because this is what Jesus tells you. He will fill your cup with pure living water. And He will bring purity. And He will bring cleansing. And He will bring the new life. Not you. Not me by preaching it out of you. Him. Most of you know me well enough to know that I, I, I don't do well with emotion. So I don't, I don't preach very often from an emotional level. So I, I, di- I, 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 I have difficulty with that. So please excuse me as I botch this emotional plea up. But you know how He sees you. You know why He does this. Because you are worth it. Not because in and of ourselves there's intrinsic worth, burn any of us up, we become dust. But because Jesus Himself breathed the breath of life into us and His own image into us and because our his image is in us we are worth fixing we are worth cleaning that's why he does it part of the reason why we go back to all the things we go back to is because somewhere deep down inside we tell ourselves we're not worth it we're not worth any better i've already Fill in the blank. But Jesus is saying, you are worth it. I went to the cross. That's how much your image is worth to me. That's how much I wanted to cleanse your image. That's how much I want to repair and restore your image to the pure, holy cup that it was intended to be with living, fresh water coming out. You're worth it. Because He put His image in you. And He put His image in me. But letting Him fill our cup isn't the end of the story. We have more to this story. We have more. We have more to overcome the feeling of down and out. We have more to overcoming the loneliness and the abandonment. John 4.21, Jesus replied, Believe me, dear woman, the time is coming when it will no longer matter whether you worship the Father on this mountain or in Jerusalem. He's, He's replying to her worship war, saying, it really doesn't matter what place. 
You Samaritans know very little about the one you worship, while the Jews know all about him. For salvation comes through the Jews, but the time is coming, and indeed it is now here, because I am here, when true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. The Father is looking for those who will worship him that way. For God is spirit, so those who worship him must worship him in spirit and truth. When God fills us up, when God fills us up, what he is saying is this will happen. What will happen is that it will come out of you in spirit and in truth. You're like, what does that mean? In excitement and in reality. It will come out of you. It will bubble out of you in an excitement and in joy and in celebration. But it will also come out of you in reality, in truth. We cannot separate one without the other. Truth without excitement is not real Christianity. Real Christianity is there's a joy and there's a celebration about it because he cleansed our cup. But if you lose the truth, you don't have real Christianity. You might have a lot of excitement, but you're missing something. When he fills us up, he'll, we will bubble out through excitement and truth. Ask us, can we get excited? Not fake, but can we get excited because he cleansed our cup and filled our cup? That's why we do worship. It's an outlet of our excitement and an outlet of the truth that he has given us. Four thirty-one. Meanwhile, the disciples were urging Jesus, "Rabbi, eat something." The disciples came back like, "Hey, hey, 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 Jesus! Look, look, look! We got you the chalupa dinner, like you just asked." Okay. In fact, John had a great idea. He got you the apple empanada too got you dessert eat but jesus replied i have a kind of food you know nothing about did someone bring him food while we were gone the disciples asked each other then jesus explained my nourishment comes from doing the will of god who sent me and from finishing his work you know the saying four months between planting and harvest but i say wake and look wake up and look around probably the townspeople are coming towards them at this point in time so we point to the horizon look what's happening look what's coming the fields are already ripe for harvest. The harvesters are paid good wages, and the fruit they harvest is people brought to eternal life. What joy awaits both the planter and the harvester alike. You know the saying, one plants and another harvests, and it's true. I sent you to harvest where you don't plant, where you didn't plant. Others had already done the work, and now you will get to gather the harvest. Like, look up, I've done the work. You're going to get to glean the harvest. Something, there's another thing to coming over abandonment, to coming over being down and out. And what's that? Emptying our cup. Jesus said, Jesus said, there's a food that you guys don't know anything about. That's what I'm trying to teach you about. There's a food that you don't know anything about. And that food is doing the will of the Father. You're like, I want to know what God's will is. What is God's will? Emptying your cup into somebody else. You're like, wait, hold on, time out. You just told me don't let anybody drink from my cup. This is different. This is different. Because you are pouring out your life to somebody else. 
And as you do that, what keeps coming from above? The water from Jesus. The living water that will never run dry. Jesus is saying, when you empty yourself into somebody else, that is a food that is unlike any other food. When you get to see somebody come to know Christ, right there before you, that is a food unlike any other else. When you see somebody because you're emptying your cup into them, when you get to see somebody understand and further know Christ and start to live out Christ, that is a food unlike any other else, anything else. But in the meantime, Jesus keeps pouring your cup and filling your cup and you get to go to somebody else and fill theirs. Jesus keeps pouring and filling your cup. Students, what I envision is a student ministry, not that majors on pizza and games, but we want to have fun. But a student ministry that majors on, by the time you graduate, you know what it's like to have your cup filled and to fill other people's cups. And emptying your cup into somebody else. Because you are more guaranteed to stay with it after high school. And as you go into college and after college. If you're already doing this. If you're already doing this. But the ultimate goal. The ultimate goal isn't just to fill people's cups. For us to get from Jesus and to fill people's cups. That's not the ultimate goal. There's a bigger goal than that. Then Jesus told her, I am the Messiah. She, she was asking, she's, there's going to be somebody that's going to come and he's going to tell us all about the, everything. He's like, that's me. It's me. Just then his disciples came back. They were shocked to find him talking to a woman, but none of them had the nerve to ask, what do you want with her? Why are you talking to her? The woman left her jar, water jar beside the well. The whole reason why she came there was to get water, physical water, to quench her mouth of thirst. But then, it's ironic, she left that jug. She found a thirst that went beyond her mouth. She left that jar and ran back to the village telling everyone, come and see a man who told me everything I ever did. Now, he only poked at the husband thing. <laughs> She's like, he knows everything that I've ever done. <laughs> like, like, what? Who is this guy? Could he possibly be the Messiah? So the people came streaming from the village to see him. Many Samaritans from the village believed in Jesus because the woman had said, he told me everything he ever did. She, filled, she emptied her cup. Jesus filled her cup. She emptied in to the other people. But catch this, but catch this. When they came out to see him, they begged him to stay in their village. So he stayed for two days, long enough for many more to hear his message and believe. 
Then they said to the woman, this is awesome. Now we believe, not just because of what you told us, not just because of you emptying your cup into us, but because we have heard him ourselves. Now we know that he indeed is the savior of the world. We don't believe because you're emptying your cup into us. We believe because we have come to him and now we're getting filled by him. The goal, the goal isn't to empty our cup into people. The goal is to introduce them to Jesus so they come themselves to get from Jesus. The goal isn't to get people to come to church to hear, hear a preacher. The goal isn't to have a discipleship group so that a whole bunch of people can hear from a teacher about Jesus. Are those vital? Are those important? I sure hope so because this is what I'm doing. The goal, ultimately, is to have you go back to Jesus yourself and say, fill me up. I am here. Bible open. I'm ready. I am here on my knees. Pour into me Jesus. I don't need anybody else. I don't need anybody else. I don't need a preacher. I don't need a small group leader. I don't need another adult. I've got everything I need right here. I've got the Holy Spirit. I've got God's Word. And I've got prayer. Are the others important? Yes. But we have lost the ability to go to Jesus ourselves and fill our cups. We've got to go to Jesus ourselves and fill our cups because I only have 40 minutes, if you're lucky, with you a week. What happens all those other minutes of the week? You only have an adult. You only have a small group leader. You only have so much giving in to you. What happens the other parts of the week? Are you coming to Jesus and saying, fill me up? I've got to have you. I've got to have your living water. Fill me up. I keep wanting to throw sand in here. Just keep filling me up so that sand just leaves. So that I get tired of putting the sand in. Fill me up so that I get used to and I get tired of the sand that I put in there myself. Fill me up. Fill me up. Down and out, abandoned, all alone. Fill me up. I'm tired of this, Jesus. Fill me up so that I can empty my cup into somebody else. Fill me up. It's in the library one day, Baldwinsville walked off into a room. I was working on budget stuff. Woo. All afternoon. This guy in this gown came up to the window and was like pounding on the window, like waving at me and stuff. I'm like, hi. I kind of recognized them, but I didn't know who they were exactly. I didn't. And I was like, do they want this room? Like, I would guess I'll give it to them if they want to study. I, this is weird. They were like... Yeah. And he pulls out his wallet 
And he pulls my card, my business card, out of his wallet, and he puts it up to the window. I'm like, I've met him before. All right. All right come on in. And he sits down. He goes, I don't know if you remember me or not. I'm like, not totally. <laughs> like, my name's Dale. And um, I'm one of the ones that hang out at the park. You know what, last night... I realized, I'm tired of this. I'm tired of this. I'm tired of the drugs. I'm tired of life. Essentially what he was saying was, I, was, I am tired of filling my cup with sand. I met you at the park, and you're the only one I know that can help. So I talked to him about Jesus filling his cup. Not in those words, but essentially. They'll pray to receive Christ that day, and we got the chance to start a relationship and start emptying my cup into him. And, and, and we, didn't, we never got to the point where we kind of was able to, to see him mature greatly, but he still matured. As crazy as it was to go to the park in that way, Dale happened because of the park. Some of us sitting here would say, I, I'm the Samaritan woman. Whether you're a male or female, you'd say, down and out, abandoned, hurt, empty cup, full of sand cup, that's me. Some of you, like, of course it's not perfect. Life is good. He's filling me up. But you know what? He's not filling you up for you. He's filling you up for those around you that are dry, have sand in their cup, that have nowhere else to turn except to somebody that knows the living water. John's going to lead us in worship again. And if you're somebody that needs your cup cleaned, I'll be in the back of the room. Come talk with me. Come grab me. I'd ask those of you that are believers that have your cup full, be asking God for people who He wants you to fill their cup. Be praying about them and about you. Ultimately, this time is for you to worship in excitement and in reality. Sean's going to provide the reality. We provide the excitement sing if you need to pray if you need your cup filled I'll be in the back pray for people you, you know that God knows need their cup filled and sing with excitement and reality let's pray Mary Father Lord I thank you for this time
Fill our cup. Fill my cup. Fill all of our cups. Let somebody tonight that would say, I am just a sandy cup. Dry, dusty. Let somebody get filled up for the first time. Put names on our hearts that we need to fill up. Let us see you work. Let us see you do a miracle of cleaning a cup. To your name I pray.